Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we have rare but vital conversations about Jesus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Life Podcast. One Life is a startup church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to build extended families of disciples that live on mission together. I am Tiffany Ketchum, and here with me is my husband and co-host, Tim Ketchum. Are you ready to rumble? Whoa. <laughs> I was kind of loud. <laughs> to back away. I backed away from the mic as if that was going to help the Because you have earphones headphones. on. <laughs> um, That's kind of like when you're sitting in the passenger side of a car and the person is not slowing down and your foot goes to push the <laughs> right. brake pedal and there's no you're brake like, pedal Wait. there. <laughs> it's yeah. not slowing down. <laughs> okay. That's a very exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we have an exciting podcast or what? Ding. There's the bell. <laughs> and in this corner. Okay. I have no idea what that's about, but we're glad you're listening. And we're in episode 53. So... What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are uh, continuing with the story of Jacob. At this point, he has sort of schemed and come up with a strategy to meet up with his brother Esau, who he thinks is going to come and kick butt and take names. He divides his servants and his herds and everything up into different groups and sends them in front of him, you know, sort of a, as a way to buffer the encounter, hoping that. Esau will see all that and say, oh, okay, um, I, I, I guess I won't kick your butt. What we're going to do now is we're going to jump into this famous story of Jacob wrestling with God. And so we're going we're gonna to read through this passage and stop along the way and make some comments. And then we're, of course, going to anchor it into a passage with Jesus up in the New Testament. All right, let's do it. So we're in Genesis 32. That's right, and starting at verse 22, and he's already sent, this is kind of important to the story, but he's, I've already said this, but he's already sent his servants and his herds and stuff in front of him, and his family is now with him, but he's about to do something with them as well. All right, let's jump into it. Genesis 32, verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. Okay. just want to pause right here just to say that it's not like he's keeping his family behind safe with him. It's kind of creepy. We see some other stories in the Old Testament like this where the patriarch of the family kind of offers his family members uh, to people who want to hurt them as sort of like a, a buy-off in, in some ways. Mm. So he's not just sending his servants and his animals, he's sending his family too. And you can kind of see something about Jacob here is that he will do anything to kind of uh, ensure his own success or his own safety. He's a very, you could say Machiavellian, uh, the ends justify the means kind of person. He's actually putting his family on the chopping block here. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, 
Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Okay, here's this really strange encounter. It kind of hit me when I was trying to put put all of this together. Uh, there, there are several questions that come up for me about Jacob's encounter with this man, which we'll find out later is actually an angel. And then the angel actually says, well, actually, you wrestled with God. Okay, so there's there, there's kind of like different viewpoints of what this man or this being is. But the first question that came up to my mind is like, what is he doing there? I mean, is he just kind of, you know, walking along? Is he intentionally encountering Jacob? I think he probably is. Um, Was Jacob praying and asking for some help, for some assistance? He's alone, and he's about to face uh, his brother. And has Jacob been asking for God to send someone to help him? And is this man a response to, to Jacob's prayer? An- another question that came up for me as I was thinking about the story was, what exactly did Jacob want this person to do for him? And why did this person not want to do it for Jacob? So, Yeah, because he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What is it that caused Jacob to kind of pick a fight with this guy? I mean, it's, it's one thing to have a conversation with somebody and say, hey, can you do this for me? And they say, no, I'm not going to do it. It's another thing, like he actually got confrontational enough with this person and engaged them physically because they would not do what he wanted them to do. It's very reminiscent of Jacob's actual name. His name means someone who grabs the heel or someone who supplants. That comes from his birth, right, where Esau is coming out of his mother's womb before him, and he reaches forward to grab Esau's heel as in, no, 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 you're not getting in front of me. I'm not going to let you advance too far in front of me. There's that spirit of competition here. Jacob is a very aggressive person. He's, he, he's the kind of person who says, I'm going to get what I want. He wanted a certain woman, and he didn't get her, so he's like, oh, I'm, no, I'm going to get her. I'm, I'm going to work seven more years, you know, <laughs> to get her. He's very uh, determined. He's, he's a very determined person. He's, he, he's got his mind on getting what he wants. I mean, if it was me, I would be like, okay, I work seven years. I'm out of here. Like, okay, <laughs> she's, not, she's not exactly who I wanted, but I'm not going to do another seven years here. He works 14 years to get the woman that he wants. He is very persistent. This encounter um, that Jacob is having with this angel and turns out to be a embodied form of God, it, it reveals something about Jacob uh, and his personality. It's a window uh, of sorts into his character. Uh, you also have to think, and you know, this is n- another question that came up for me, was what does it look like to wrestle all night long? I remember re- wrestling with my brother, and, you know, we're talking about a, like a 15-minute sprint. It's kind of exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. Um, yeah. I mean, did he have some serious uh, Brazilian jitsu MMA holds that he's holding this guy in for a long time? Did he try to put him in a sleeper and he just wouldn't go to sleep? We're talking about a, a, a wrestling match that lasted for a very long time. And again, this reveals Jacob's persistence, that he is very competitive and he's not just going to give in. He's, he, he's not going to give up. It's a very strange encounter, 
we learn some things about Jacob, but we also learn some things about God in this encounter as well. So, yeah, not only is he wrestling, but he's wrestling with God, which seems even more exhausting <laughs> because <laughs> he's obviously not going to be able to like necessarily overpower him. There's kind of a pattern here with Jacob. He was looking to get a blessing from his dad, a blessing that he didn't necessarily wasn't supposed to get, mm. you know. So here he is again looking for a blessing. Yeah, he's he's looking for an advantage. Uh, he's very competitive. This encounter that Jacob has with God it also reveals something about God, especially in the book of Genesis, because so far we do have a consistent pattern of God meeting with people. He wants to meet with Adam. He's meeting with Cain and Abel. He wants relationship. He, he wants to meet with us. And this is actually the first time that you see God engaging in this way with someone. This is not a, hey, let me go do some quiet time with God. This is not a contemplative encounter. This is a very, <laughs> I mean, this is confrontational. True. This is highly engaged. And it's, it's kind of ironic, you know, based on our last episode, we talked about this idea that there's this myth out there that in order for you to come close to God, you kind of, you got to kind of have a... Uh, you have to have, be all perfect and have it all together. And yeah, you got to do sacrifices, like, you know. Yeah, um, have everything just right. Yeah, like, like there's something that has to be fixed in God before you encounter him. This story runs right in the face of that. Not, not only is God making the initiative here, he engages Jacob without any sacrifices. He engages Jacob head on and for a really long extended period of time. And if this is God, and I think the scriptures bear that out, he not only comes in the close proximity with Jacob, he comes in the full body contact with Jacob. It kind of exposes another myth out there that God cannot be around sin or, you know, God is so holy that he can't make contact with us because of our sin. And here we have God showing up, making full contact all night long with Jacob. And there's something in God that, that really craves this kind of encounter with us too where it's not, you know, us restraining ourselves and hiding something about our anger towards him or about our real feelings towards him. God actually desires a genuine encounter with us, all of us, even if we want to fight him, even if we want to press back against him. He's up for that kind of encounter. This story, it reveals a lot about God and Jacob, I think. Yeah, that's definitely a great point, Tim. And it's one of my favorite things about this particular story is it does show that God wants to be with us. And it doesn't matter how we come to him or how the interaction goes. He is still wanting that interaction. Mm. And it's okay if we are angry or, or we don't come to him all peachy and thankful and... Mm. He is still our dad, and he wants us to be close. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And hopefully we can talk about that some more on the next episode. We're, we're hoping to be able to get a friend of ours on for a Living the Story episode and talking to him about how he relates to God 
and genuine encounters with God. But anyways, that's hopefully coming up next. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, definitely looking forward to that. All right, I think I've blabbed enough about this portion of the of the story, so let's keep <laughs> moving so we can make it into the New Testament. Great idea. So I think we're on verse 27. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. I mean, that kind of shows you another proof that it was God because he changed his name. Yeah. Gave him a blessing. Yeah, it's definitely there. Later on, we're going to look at a story that's very similar to this, but there's a passage in Hosea which recounts this part of Genesis. And they, of course, say that he wrestled with God. And what's really interesting about that passage in Hosea, I think it's Hosea 12, it actually says that Jacob cried. And I think it is related to his request. And almost like he wanted that blessing so bad, he wanted God to accompany him as he crossed this boundary back into the land to meet his brother. He wanted that assurance so bad that it brought him to tears. I think there's also something here that we're going to dive deeper into and revisit over and over again, the same theme is that God not, not only meets with us, but there is a genuine struggle whenever God meets us because God is trying to lead us in a particular direction, and that direction is always going to lead to our good and to our healing, to our restoration. But we often resist that. We fight against it. There's something in us that naturally struggles with God and with other people. And this idea that God named him Israel, which means struggles with God, is is sort of very, anytime you read the word Israel from here on out in the Bible, it should throw up a big flag that says, God is in a struggle with us, and we are struggling against God. And it's not this happy-go-lucky kind of scenario that there's these competing forces at work and God has, he has to enter into that struggle with us. He will go all night with us so that he can push us in a certain direction. He can lead us in a certain way. I think that's kind of important to put up here because this is the first time the word Israel comes up in the Bible and it has to do with struggling against God so that you can receive something from him. Yeah, and if you know the story of Israel, the nation of Israel, then you know it definitely that name is true. They they definitely struggle against God and with what he's wanting to do in their nation and it's definitely a continual thing. 
but yet God stays with them through and through through mm. the whole the whole thing he stays with them yeah and you know what's what's kind of interesting here too is that in this this particular story God does not overpower Jacob now he does touch his hip he does wound him to weaken him in that struggle but he ultimately does not overpower Jacob because he has to tell him, hey, let me go. And Jacob's like, nope, you ain't going nowhere until I get my blessing. So there's something I think in there too for us to mine out about God, about him meeting us on our terms. Even though he is God, he does respect boundaries with us. He does, he's not going to overpower us just to force us to make us do what he wants us to do. So there's That's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. All right, well, let's let's jump up into the book of Hebrews in chapter 5 and verse 7. The reason why we're going into this passage is because there's kind of a parallel here with Jacob wrestling with God and Hosea talking about him coming to tears in that struggle. And this passage about Jesus is really interesting. It says who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement, vehement. (laughs) That's another Bible word. (laughs) Definitely. You want to translate that? (laughs) In fact, I was going to say vehement, but that's not actually what it says. It says vehement. It actually means strong. Okay. Yeah, very intense, I guess is one way to say it very intense cries and tears to him who was able to save him out of death and was heard or responded to. In other words, he was given his request because of his godly fear. Really what they're saying here is that Jesus struggled with God. And this is sort of a picture of what we see in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus does struggle. He does ask God to do things for him. And in the story of Gethsemane, God does not actually do those things for him. So in that part of the story, you have him being not heard in the sense of he's not being responded to in the way that he wants God to respond to him. But in this passage, it actually depicts Jesus struggling with God, coming to a point of tears, and it's about him being rescued from death. And the interesting thing here is that the Hebrew writer says that God actually did respond to him. He gave him what he wanted, which is actually an allusion to resurrection in the book of Hebrews, which if you're kind of neurolicious and you know anything about the book of Hebrews, resurrection is sort of thinly veiled in this book. It's it's never explicitly addressed in the book of Hebrews, and yet this is a one of those places where it's implicitly addressed. So it, it really puts that human dimension into our understanding of Jesus, about him coming to God in prayer, wrestling with God, coming to a point of tears. It definitely doesn't match up with our view of Jesus of always being in this like really serene, peaceful, contemplative mode with God, and he's always in such perfect harmony with God. He, he has flesh. He has things that are competing 
and that are struggling to develop in his relationship with God. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot. Jesus's humanity and him having to deal with struggles that we deal with, with darkness and with powers within himself that were going against God's way and, and powers outside of himself. And we do see Jesus submitting eventually. He did submit and, and go in the way that his father was wanting him to go. But the struggle was real. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of gets into this idea about Jesus stepping into the shoes of Israel and entering into the, the developmental pathway that God wanted Israel to go on, but they resisted and struggled against. Jesus entered into that same developmental path, and he struggled to complete it, but he did complete it. The, the next verse says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected or completed, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. The imagery here is that Jesus did effectively engage very difficult stages of growth and development, but he passed through them and ended up on the other side. He didn't regress or get stuck there. And that's what makes him different from Israel. That, that's why he needed to come as an Israelite to complete the story that Israel was intended to live. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we worship him, is because he's been able to do something no one has, else has ever been able to do, which is to arrive at the finish line and to pass through those struggles successfully. Really good news. It is why we worship him, and it is why we look to him and use his name to overcome the things in our life mm-hmm. and we are thankful for Jesus and for him working through all of those struggles and his feelings and and the difficulties and going ahead with God's way and overpowering within himself those powers of darkness yeah you know you're you're articulating that so well and it does kind of give new meaning to this idea that Jesus is Lord. It's not some claim to egocentric power. Jesus actually did rule over these forces and successfully overcome them, and that's why he has, quote-unquote, earned the title of Lord, that he has mastered the human condition, and he's the only one who's ever done it. Jesus is Lord. Yep, that's great. So can we finish it out here? Yep, I think we're done. We're out of time. Yes, hopefully um, you will join us on the next episode, and we're going to definitely try to have a friend on to do some real life talk (laughs) application. We appreciate you listening. Please go and subscribe on your platform of choice. If you have any questions or comments, you can go to our podcast notes and click on that link to go to our podcast page. I hope you have a great day and we will catch you next time.